Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Uh, We want to open up our Bibles tonight to the tiny one chapter book of Jude in the New Testament. Jude, uh, there's only one chapter, but we could say Jude chapter one if you want to. Uh, Jude, obviously, is because of its small stature, uh, often doesn't get a lot of attention in the New Testament. Uh, But what we're going to find in this scripture tonight is a powerful understanding and revelation from the Lord regarding something that we are going to be facing more and more in these last days. I mentioned this morning that I want to preach a message related to the current transgender movement happening in our culture and in the Western world at large. And to introduce you uh, to this topic, I want to show you a few screenshots of a children's book that is currently one of the top bestsellers on Amazon. And it's called, It Feels Good to Be Yourself. Do we have a picture of the title of that I asked too early. Oh, there we go. It feels good to be yourself. This is a obviously a children's picture book. And if we'll flip the page to see what's on page number one, we see a picture in Jesus' name of a school bus, which is oddly green. I've never seen a green school bus before. But... This is going to continue a theme you'll see in these next few pages. And the title there says, This is Ruthie, a normal-looking girl standing in front of a green school bus. And if you flip to the next page, you'll begin to see the indoctrination take place. Nope, not that one. The one that says, She is A. It's got a picture of her walking up her house. Oh, Jesus, help us tonight. And so Ruthie, it'll come eventually. It says she is a transgender girl. And it gives us this little explanation. That means when she was born, everyone thought she was a boy. Everyone, uh, until she grew a little older. Old enough to tell everyone that she's actually a girl. Now go back to the last one you had, if you don't mind. So here's sweet little Ruthie, painted in bright colors. It turns out that she was not born a girl. It says there in small letters, girl is Ruthie's gender identity. Yes, children, even though she wasn't born a girl, this is her gender identity. And finally, the last page, if you don't mind. A picture of normal life in an average American neighborhood, apparently. But the words that are written here, it says, there are so many different ways to be a boy or a girl. Too many to fit in a book. But not everyone feels like either a boy or a girl. And of course, we have uh, depicted here uh, two men holding hands, pushing a baby stroller, and uh, one playing a trumpet for some reason, and a flute. Uh, It's interesting that you don't see any dogs with five legs, but to me, it's like that's the... On the same level here, this is incredible to me. This is being sold on Amazon, one of the top-selling children's books. You can take that down. And what this I'm hoping to illustrate to you tonight is an alarming trend happening in young people in our generation. I picked up this article. A forecasting agency uh, called Innovation Group did a study and found that only 48% of 13 to 20 year olds, okay, think of the age group we're talking about, 13 to 20 year olds, 
only 48% of them identify as exclusively heterosexual compared to 65% of millennials age 21 to 34. Did you hear what, that, what I just said? Only 48% identify themselves as exclusively heterosexual. So, um, that's alarming. There is a report that came from a media group called Vice. I'm going to have another picture toward the end here, Amanda. Sorry. I'll give you a five-minute warning. On a scale of zero to six, where zero signified completely straight and six meant completely completely homosexual. Let me start that again. On a scale of zero to six, zero means completely straight and six meant completely homosexual. More than one-third of the young demographic chose a number between one and five indicating that they were bisexual to some degree. Only 24% of their older counterparts identified this way. And so when it comes to gender, over a third of Gen Z, that is the generation younger than millennials, agree that gender did not define a person as much as it used to. Only 28% of millennials felt the same way. And here, most alarming to me, over half of them, 56% of Gen Z, more than half, said that they knew someone who went by gender-neutral pronouns such as they, them, or Z, compared to 43% of people 28 to 34. What does this mean tonight? This means that we have a serious generational problem your children are going to face, or children that you know. This is no longer a laughing matter. And as Christians may have laughed this off in the past and may have made a few jokes about it and may have chuckled under our breath thinking this could never be a serious problem. No, not here in America. Wrong. It is, it is already a major issue that we are going to have to face. The Gen Z perspectives, this is ages 13 to 20, their perspectives on gender also extend to the wardrobe, the clothing that they wear. Whereas 54% of millennials always buy clothes designed for their own gender, that number drops to only 44% when it comes to teenagers. What does that mean? That only 40% of boys wear boys' clothing, and only 40% of girls wear girls' clothing. Now, if this seems bizarre and strange to you, it's okay. That's how you should feel. But the problem is... This is not bizarre or strange for anyone under the age of 25. Our culture, our media, and more and more our schools are pushing this on our young people. Right under our noses. For for kids these days, embracing a non-binary gender or sexual orientation is not just a trend, but it is a reflection of of growing up in the world with unprecedented access to information, where the concept of identity is open to interpretation. This is coming across. Listen, uh, my uh, my girls, we have uh, they have little iPhones that they ha- they use with restrictions and stuff, and we try to do our best to to keep you know wholesome entertainment on there for them. But even on the app that is known as Kids YouTube which parents will be familiar with. It is supposed to be a friendly playground where children can watch YouTube videos that, uh, that don't present any, uh, any moral issues or any problems. And uh, just a few days ago, we heard something coming out of one of their devices that was quite shocking and alarming, talking, talking about a girl who had transitioned and become a man on kids' YouTube, made it through all of the restrictions, and so that, that's on the kids' app. Uh, if you give your child access to regular YouTube, you might as well toss them in the fire because there is all of that and much, much more. Every generation of the church has had to stand up for truth in one arena or another. A thousand years ago, the Orthodox Church had to stand up to Ottoman terror. 300 years ago, 
Christians in America had to stand up to British tyranny and declare independence. About a hundred years ago, there was a generation of Christians that had to stand up against the Third Reich and against Holocaust. And now in 2020, we are facing a new foe, a culture war where pronouns are important. And what we do as believers is going to determine the fight that our children are going to face in the future. So we have to be people that understand these issues and are able to stand up with love, with grace, with understanding. Nobody is transphobic or homophobic here tonight. Let me just say that right out. I'm not afraid of anybody who espouses these views. I have sympathy and pity in my heart. And I believe that God has a purpose and plan for people who are very confused. I know what it's like to be confused. I know what it's like to not know my right hand from my left. If you can remember your life before salvation, you might not have been confused about what gender you are, but you were confused about something. So that means we all find common ground here tonight. And what we are dealing with is a generation lost in confusion. And I want to address this topic from the book of Jude, and I pray you'll open your heart and hear what the Bible has to say. Jude, beginning with verse 3, says these words, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. And as Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Verse 8, Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Verse 11, skipping forward just a bit, says, Woe to them! They have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Three very interesting characters to bring up in this context. And skipping to verse 16, These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, this is where he turns his attention to us as believers. You, beloved, remember the words which you were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And here is the hope tonight. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit. God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for the word of God, which brings clarity and understanding. Lord, I need your wisdom to be able to speak with clarity and with truth tonight. Lord, help us to be a people that is, uh, that is uncompromising and unwavering on the truth of your word, but also, God, to be compassionate and caring and an eye toward redemption in our world today. We thank you, Lord, for all you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people would say, Amen.
Let me begin tonight by speaking about the ancient modern rebellion. The ancient and modern rebellion. So in order for you to understand what we are seeing in our world today, in order for you to understand how a person can write a children's book like that, there's a few things that you have to understand from history. I need to show you about a first century heresy that was running through the early church, which is exactly what Jude is talking about in this epistle. He had to defend against an error, a false doctrine, a heresy that was being taught in many churches at that time. And this entire letter written by the Apostle Jude is written to defend the true faith from this error. And the reason why I believe this is so important is because the same error that is being taught by that heresy in the first century is the same heresy, the same philosophy, the same view of the world behind the transgender movement. So this is very, very important that we understand this tonight. I want to talk to you about Gnosticism. You may have heard this before, maybe not, but there was a heresy. There was a false doctrine and a false teaching that broke out in the new church, the brand new church, within the first 50 years after Jesus Christ went back to heaven. And it was something called Gnosticism. That word starts with a silent G. G-N-O-S. Gnosticism. The name comes from the Greek word for knowledge. That word is gnosis. Think of our English words that we use. When you go to the doctor, you get a prognosis. Okay? So that means the doctor is giving you knowledge about what's going to happen with your body. Or on my job, I work on computers, and one of the things people bring are computers, and we do something called a diagnosis. In other words, we are trying to gain knowledge about the problem with that computer. That's the same word we're talking about here. The word is knowledge. But more specifically, the Gnostics, they taught about a secret, a spiritual knowledge that one must attain in order to be closer to God. It is a secret, hidden knowledge. It was exclusive to their own way of thinking. And it wasn't public. It was behind the scenes. It was almost conspiracy level. Like you have to know these certain things before you can truly know God. And so we hear echoes of that view of life whenever somebody says, this might sound more familiar to you, this is my truth. Have you heard people say that? Have you heard people in the main, in media, mainstream? I'm just telling you what my truth is. What is my experience of the world, my view. This, See, I know something that nobody else knows. It's my truth. What's true for you might be different, but this is my truth. This is a subjective view of reality, isn't it? That each and every person can determine what truth really is. So that's one foundation of the Gnostics and the error that they were in. The second part that's very important for you to understand tonight is that they adopted into their worldview a platonic view of spirituality. All right, everybody say the word platonic. All right, so if you say that somebody has a platonic relationship, what does that mean? It means, for example, if you're a man, that you have a platonic relationship with a woman on your job or somewhere else. We say it's strictly platonic. And what do we mean by that? It means that we are not attracted to one another in a sexual way. It is simply a friendship. It is non-touching, right? It is non-physical. It is simply uh, a, a platonic relation, in other words, a non-physical friendship. Everybody with me so far? So a platonic, when you say something is platonic, it means that it is non-physical. And what the Platonists taught, this com- the, the word plate comes from the teacher, the Greek philosopher, Plato, right? And he taught many things, and he, when he was teaching this, it was really more about mathematics, teaching about abstract ideas, 
that there are realities beyond just the physical truth. And he was right about that. There are spiritual realities beyond the physical things. But what the Platonists took that truth and moved it beyond to say something that directly impacted Christian philosophy, Christian worldview, and this became a cult. When the Gnostics adopted this Platonic view of life, what they were teaching is very simple, that matter doesn't matter. Physical things, the physical world around us is not that important. The Gnostics would teach that the really important part of life is the things that you can't see. Now, we would agree that, yes, of course, spiritual things are important, but we are not going to agree that physical things are unimportant. The Gnostics would teach that our physical bodies were evil, they were vulgar, and they lacked value. The really important thing about us is not the flesh and bone, but what is inside or perhaps what is beyond our spiritual reality And taking that truth another step further, the Gnostics began to teach that Jesus, because he was the perfect spiritual being, that he could not have had a physical body. Do you see where this is going? So they taught if Jesus was a perfect man, that he wasn't really a human being. He was just an apparition. He was a ghost. He was a cloud floating around on the earth. He just appeared to have a physical body. But he didn't really die on the cross because someone who's so spiritual like Jesus would never allow his body to be broken. They viewed that as something disturbing and disgusting. And so they taught, no, the amazing thing about life is not the physical, but it is the spiritual reality. It's my truth. This is where it's very important we understand this tonight. Stick with me. I'm going to make a connection And then we're all going to go together. Ready? Doctrine determines destiny. The things that you believe have a direct impact on the way that you live. What you believe. That's why we can't just write off doctrine. A Christian doctrine is not something that, uh, that I want to think about, Pastor. I just want to come to church and have a good time and go back home. Listen, you are going to live according to what you believe. This is the reason why false doctrine can spread like wildfire if we are not rooted and grounded in good Christian doctrine. So many of the New Testament authors were directly dealing with the problem of the Gnostics. We can find it in the epistles of John. We can find it in the writings of Paul, also in Peter. And most obviously, we can find it in Jude's letter that we just read. Listen to what Jude says confronting the Gnostic believers. He speaks about them. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, this is verse 4, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. They are ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness. What does lewdness mean? It means nasty living. And deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's pretty obvious what he thinks of the Gnostics, right? He says, these guys are teaching a false gospel. They are denying the Lord Jesus Christ. They are denying that he was fully incarnate. He was born of woman. He had a physical body that is crucial and critical to our understanding of the Lord Jesus. That he was fully 100% man and 100% God at the same time. That's what we believe. That is standard Christian Orthodox belief. And the Gnostics had rejected half of that. And by doing so, Jude says, nope. They are denying the Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The real you is not just the mental and spiritual you. But how many understand that our body is part of God's redemptive plan? Your body, your flesh, your bone is not just a shell to be crumpled up and thrown away. Your body is important to God. Salvation, I'm going to talk about this in just a few moments, but salvation is not only about cleansing our sins and purifying our minds, 
Salvation is about healing your body. And God has a redemptive plan for your body even after death. How many know that? That the plan of Jesus is not just to take your soul to be with Him. One day, how many know, our dead cold corpses will rise from the ground to be reunited to your spirit in glory. Resurrection. That Jesus, when He was risen from the dead, God didn't leave the body in the tomb. It was a physical resurrection. And that is in direct contradiction to the belief of those Gnostic, heretical believers. And so, this is the error of the Gnostics. Their idea was that the physical body is not that important. In fact, it's something that we can just throw away. What's really important is what is in your mind. And the reason why this was such an attractive thing to believe, and the reason why so many believers were strayed from the faith because of it, and the reason why so many of the New Testament authors began to bring correction against the Gnostics, I'll tell you why. Because the ultimate result of this belief was that good Christian people would backslide and go back to their old lives of sexual sin. Because if you are a Gnostic and you believe that what you do with your body is not important, then you can go to church on Sunday and lift your hands and praise God and go commit adultery and fornication five minutes later and it's not a big deal. That's why the Gnostic gospel was so attractive to many people. It gives... It gave them an excuse to remain involved in wickedness because what I do with my body has no effect on my soul. That's the Gnostic belief. It's a good thing that that is gone and dead and we don't have to deal with it any longer. Wrong. There are Christians filling churches all across America that they might not understand this, they might not know the history, but you know what? They are Gnostic Believers. They are converts to the Gnostic gospel. That they are convinced that what I do outside of the church has no bearing on my spirituality. I can live how I want to live and do what I want to do. And God's just going to forgive me, isn't He? So let's connect this now to the transgender movement. I want you to understand something that this is not something new. Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this Sermon Podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks, and we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple Podcast application Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, We could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, These do help us to get the word out about this podcast. I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia, Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine. The list goes on and on of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon. There has always been a segment of, of society that is rejecting the principles of God for something that they believe is better. 
The transgender movement and its growth, its multiplication in young people, is nothing more than the new Gnosticism. That's what it is. It is neo-Gnosticism. Think about it. It is the belief that the body you were born with does not reflect your true identity. Doesn't it sound like the same lie? Repeat it again. That my body, the physical body that I own, is actually something that I should despise. That I, that I would feel good about mutilating and destroying. Because the real me is this identity, this, this, uh, this grown woman inside of me that wants to come out and present to everyone else. That is neo-Gnosticism. That is what is being taught in that children's book to kindergartners. That the way that you were born, the way that you came out of your mama, it doesn't matter. What really matters is your own opinion about yourself. That is the Gnostic belief repackaged and repurposed for a gullible world. And the reason I believe that so many young people are subscribing to this without hesitation is because that we are completely unmoored now from our Christian foundation as a society. And because we have rejected God and His principles, we've rejected what the Bible said that in the beginning, first page of the Bible, in the beginning He made them what? Male and female. But because God said it, now we have to reject it. See, we used to call this a mental disorder. It wasn't that long ago that gender dysphoria was a real thing that was really treated by psychiatrists and, and the medical industry. And, and uh, gender dysphoria was rare, but it happened from time to time, mostly in boys that believed that they were girls. And with some time, with some counseling, with some guidance, just like most mental disorders, could be overcome. Usually in the teen years would be overcome, and by the time a young man became 19, 20, 21 years old, well, he's over it. But now things have changed. The thing that society has said is that, no, this is, this is not a disorder. This is something that we ought to celebrate and embrace. Did you see what that book said right at the beginning? That a five-year-old can decide they want to be a boy or a girl. Let me ask you, do you let your five-year-old decide anything about their life? You better not. You give your five-year-old control over what they want to eat? You better not, because if you do, they're going to eat Snickers bars 100% of the time. And cookies. Right? And they'll be sick eternally, because they don't know what's best for them. They're five years old. The proper response of a five-year-old boy who comes to their parents and says, I think I'm a girl, Daddy. You know what the proper response is? No, you're not. You are not a girl. You are a boy. And let me teach you what a boy is. That's the proper response. And many times, what, what we're dealing with is a failure of parenting. If the five-year-old girl says, I want to be a boy, Mommy, the proper response is no. No. You're five years old. You don't know what's best for you. But somehow today, that is seen as hateful or oppressive. We have seen in the past five years the pronoun wars. What this is, is not only do people want to have the right to transition from one gender to another, but they also want to make you play along. And if you're not going to call me a she when I'm actually a he, then you're a hater. And so we all have to play in this fantasy world along with you. So Gnosticism is nothing new. But what is new is the ability to surgically and chemically mutilate one's body in order to match the gender that you believe yourself to be. That's a new development in the last 20, 30, 40 years, isn't it? The gender reassignment surgeries. 
And so because someone has this mental disorder, this very deep confusion, and, and we, shouldn't, we shouldn't make that light, we shouldn't make fun of that, that is something that's a serious issue that people may have. But for then the next step to go to a doctor and to say to the doctor, I'm a man, but I feel like a woman today. And for the doctor to say, you're right. Let's schedule a surgery. That is something new. The willingness of the medical industry to just go along with it. And for society at large and half of our Congress and even the President of the United States, not only to, to, uh, to accept it, but to celebrate our military. All of a sudden, here comes President Biden, and he uh, allows transgender people to be in the military. And not only that, but now your tax dollars are being used for gender reassignment surgeries. You are paying for men to be mutilated and for women to have body parts removed. I'm trying to keep this as PG as I can. It's very difficult. Do you agree with that? Gnosticism is not new. But the society at large, our willingness to allow it, that is amazing. Listen to what... Verse 11 says, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, they have run in the error of Balaam for profit, and they have perished in the rebellion of Korah. Speaking of the Gnostics, he says this is, this, this is the payment, this is the penalty for wandering in this error. Cain, of course, is the first murderer. There's only two generations into humanity, we already have a murderer. Balaam, you know the story of Balaam, that the evil king of Balak came and tried to bribe him into cursing the people of God. He said, yeah, I'll do that. And then, and then he opened his mouth and God put words of blessing in there instead. God didn't let him do that. But he wanted to for monetary gain. Korah, of course, led the great rebellion against Moses in the wilderness. He's saying these are the picture of those who reject the design of God. Please understand that in all three of these stories, Cain, Balaam, and Korah, it did not work out well. And it will not work out well. You can show that last picture. This is your new assistant secretary of the Federal Department of Health. Dr. Rachel Levine. Did, did you know that? Affirmed by Congress just a few weeks ago? Isn't that frightening? Isn't that bizarre? This is a 55-plus-year-old man who's wearing a dress and growing his hair to pretend that he is a woman. And we are all supposed to just yawn and let this happen? Do you know what this is? This is trolling on a massive scale. This is, a, this is a, uh, an administration. This is, uh, this is one entire half of our government that is shoving it in your face and saying, look at what we can do now. Look at what we did. You like that? But it's not just against Republicans, not just against conservatives. It's not just against Christians. You know who it's against? It's God. Look, God, what we can do now. Look who we can put in our federal government. Are you going to stop us, God? That's what that is. This person probably not even qualified to do that job. But because of who he is and what he represents, it's in your face. Because God is the one who designed the sexes. God is the one who made Male and female, Genesis 1.27. God is the one who sent His Son Jesus to affirm that, Matthew 19, verse 4. What this is tonight is not just an in-your-face, you have to receive this, you have to uh, celebrate the brave, bold, and beautiful Rachel Levine. Let's all celebrate 
It's, it's not just that. It is a full-throated rebellion against God. We think, we think that it's an attack against us or our way of life or our culture. But what it really is, is the same as the Gnostics. Who does God think that he is? Telling me who I am. And so, a person who is in that state of mind will go to great lengths to run away from God and His will for their life. Will go through expensive surgeries. I was looking at the numbers earlier today. They say that this this surgery, this cosmetic surgery that people are going through, whether male to female, female to male, that it is growing at a rapid pace. It's up 24% this year alone. 24%. From 2020 to 2021. It's going to be a $1.9 billion industry in just a few short years. That's a lot of money. People who will pay high prices and will go to great lengths to chop off body pieces. Why? Who do you think you are, God, to tell me what I'm going to do? Our scripture in Jude goes on to say, They are clouds without water, carried about by winds. They are late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. They are raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame. They are wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So what's our part? There's got to be somebody who stands up and, and resists the obvious insanity in our generation. I'm not saying be a hater. I'm not saying we should physically or, or verbally attack anyone. But who will stand up for righteousness? Who will love enough to say, you're wrong? Do you know that among the transgender uh, community, there's a 41% suicide rate. That's painful. Why would anyone want that for their child? Why would anyone encourage someone in that decision and put them at risk of hating themselves, hating their own body so much that they're going to take it? This is why it's so dangerous to have transgender people in the military. You, know, you don't know the anguish of, of the person who's standing next to you that you're depending on them to protect your life and they might be suicidal, 41% of them. Underneath all of this is the simple truth that most, most people are running from God. They are Jonah. Running from God. Having to pay another price. Oh, what what surgery do I have to do? I'll pay the price down to Joppa. I'll pay the price. I'll cut off that body part. Sure, pay the price. Just so that I won't have to face up to God. How desperate are they? So what is our part tonight? The scripture turns. The apostle Jude turns from proclaiming the reality of people who are lost in error. And he begins to speak to us as believers. You, beloved, verse 20, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves. Listen, that's all critical stuff. We shouldn't just skip over that. Build yourself up on the most holy faith. We ought to be people of faith. That means connected to God. Praying in the Holy Spirit. We've got to be people of prayer. We've got to have the the mind of Christ. For a generation that is lost and broken. Verse 21, keep yourself in the love of God. The love of God, yes, will will embrace, will go to great lengths to help people, to serve people, to speak the word of God. But also, how many understand, you can't have real love without truth. We've got to be people of truth. We can't just go along to get along. And if we will do these things, listen to what the Bible said, verse 22, and on some have compassion. 
others saving them with fear, pulling them out of the fire. This is the goal of the believer. You know, even people who have gone to great lengths to modify their bodies, to fit what they believe they are, you know what? There's still people. There are still people that Jesus died for. There are still people that God cares about, that God thinks about, and that you never know when is the time that they can turn. We are not called to apathy. We are not called to be disgusted or shocked. We are not called to be afraid or to separate. I mean, no, we're called to be in this world, but not of this world. And the Bible uses a word there in verse 23, It said, others save with fear. That Greek word is such an amazing word. The word for save is the word sozos. Can you say that with me? Sozos. One more time. Sozos. Save those with fear. The word sozos describes the will of God for every person. It is salvation. But salvation in the English is not a good enough word. Because sozos in the Greek is so powerful, it's so all-encompassing, it includes everything about a person. Remember when Jesus would pray for people and he would say, your faith has made you whole, sozos. It has saved you. Your faith has made you complete. The word sozos includes body, mind, spirit, and soul, and future. Sozos is an all-encompassing word that Jesus doesn't want to just save your Sundays. He wants to save your Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day that ends in Y. Jesus wants to save those days. He wants to save your your mental, your ability to think and and process life. He wants to save your emotional uh, attitudes and, and issues that you've been going through. He wants to save every part of you. That's good news, isn't it? That there is salvation for mind, soul, but also for body. Jesus wants to make us whole, W-H-O-L-E. And for those who see their own bodies as an enemy, for those lost in the neo-Gnosticism of this generation, we've got to remind people that God has a plan for the body. He has not forgotten about that either. A generation that is so confused. You know what they need? Compassion. Prayer. Same thing that every sinner involved in sin needs. They need revelation from God. They need to be reminded of His Word, of His promise. Do we still believe that there's no one who's too far gone? Dr. Rachel Levine? Do we still believe that there's no one beyond the reach of God's grace? As long as they're still breathing, there's still hope. So you and I are going to have to get over our shock and in this bizarro world that we're living in. I'm not saying that we should lose our sense of uh, sensitivity towards sin. Don't lose that. But we should see people where they are. Jesus looked at a people... He looked out at the city of Jerusalem, the same city which was about to yell, crucify him, crucify him. He looked out at those people and he said, oh, that I would gather them together as a mother hen gathers her chicks. In our little creek behind our house, all the little baby ducklings just got born. And there's little mama ducks running all over the place with five or six little ducklings Staying right close to them. And guess what? When Roxy, the, the dragoon dog, comes nearby, all those little ducklings, they go right close to mama. Jesus said, the people that hate me, that hate my way of life, that hate everything I stand for, and that are about to kill me, I want to gather them to myself. We look at what's happening in our world today, so much of it is because of the same thing, people who hate God, hate His Word, hate that they've been made in His image, male and female, and spend a life running from it. To them, 
Jesus says, I still want to gather them. I still want to show compassion. And we've got to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. First of all, we've got to stand for truth. We've got to stand up for what's right. That's the only way that that there will be any hope is if there's still a church that says, no, Johnny, you are not a girl. You are a boy. That's how God made you. And it's okay. Will we still be the ones who stand up? You know what? This is going to be a last day's battle. They're going to come after churches about this. I promise you that. Already in Canada, pastors are going to jail over this. It's coming soon. That if you don't bend your knee to Dr. Rachel Levine, you'll probably end up in jail too. If you don't uh, use the proper pronouns, you'll get canceled. You'll get fired. Somebody's got to be willing to stand up for truth. Because that's the only way that hope can be made clear for the future. I want to challenge you tonight. Let's be people who are built up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and keeping ourselves in the love of God. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes. There's a lot more to be said about this topic. That's all we can fit in a 45-minute sermon. And tonight, as we consider these truths, above it all, we recognize... We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.